0: Hi everyone, and welcome to the official rebrand of Red Carpet Rendezvous. Lauren interviews the podcast. I'm your host, Lauren Conlin. Now, I needed a little bit of a facelift after my departure from WABC Radio, so you're still going to get some fun entertainment, film and television episodes from me, but you're also going to get a bit of news and maybe um, some public figures and politics mixed in with a little bit of New York City glitter because that's what I love. So I'm excited now. Um, today's episode, I have one of my favorite people in the world, truly, um, that I haven't known for very long. But again, she's become one of my favorite people very quickly. Monica Crowley, Author, political commentator, and former Assistant Secretary of Public Affairs for the U.S. Department of Treasury. Oh my gosh, that's a mouthful. <laughs> Seriously, did I get that right? You did. Yes. Bravo. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, and thank you so much for joining me. Seriously, it is my pleasure to join you on your first
1: rebranded yes, show. Yes. On yes. Red Carpet Rendezvous. <laughs> I'm so excited to be here. You're one of my favorite people too. Thank you. And I'm just, I'm honored and privileged, and it's such a joy to be with you on this first day of your new adventure. Sure. Yes,
0: this is my new adventure. Um, I'm I'm excited. I'm a little nervous, but I want to go and tell the listeners how we first met. Um, we first met on the Bernie and Sid show. And I just want to tell you. So you were um, I had a segment. I did an entertainment there. I had one segment a week. And um, the assistant program director texted me and he goes, i before I got in, he goes, I just want to let you know, Monica Crowley is there with the boys. She's great. You're you're going to love her. Don't worry about it. So all of a sudden, I'm like, who? <laughs> who is this? So I'm like, OK, there's another woman there. That's fine. Like, I'm all about it. But I'm obviously a little bit nervous, you know. So I get there, and you could not have been lovelier. And I have to say, um, I said this after. I was like, she was so perfect. And you were so good at radio because you – I mean, it was like you, I, it's something you can't teach, I guess. You just kind of, you spoke when it was appropriate. You did not speak over people. You didn't try to insert yourself, which sometimes guests do a lot because they want to be heard. You were just so classy and so perfect. And I was like, how do I be like this this girl? Um, really? Oh my goodness. No, it's true. It's true. And these guys are intimidating, you know? Not to me. yeah. <laughs> well, Don't tell Bernie and Sid, <laughs> Bernie and yeah, Sid I said I, that, but not to me. They can be, though. They can be. And you were like, and I'm like, here is this woman, and she's letting me have my segment. She is not even, I mean, you you didn't even you didn't even bat an eyelash. You were just so professional. So I was like, I could really learn something from her. Just saying. Oh
1: uh, Well, you're very yeah. kind, Lauren. Well, thank, thank you <laughs> so much. And I do remember that day. It yes. was early in the summer. Yeah. With Bernie and Sid. And of course, I've known them for ages. So mm. it's like being, with my older brothers or something, right? Yeah. So uh, they said, yeah, here's the rundown for the show because I was there for, I think, two hours yeah. of, their, of their 10-hour show every God, day. I know. <laughs> and uh, I said, great entertainment, really fun because I spend most of my time talking about either foreign affairs because that's my background yes. or politics yes. uh, or the economy based mm-hmm. on my uh, experience at the Treasury Department. So the idea that I could mix it up with an mm-hmm. entertainment reporter was really Exciting, and I, I could not wait for so much fun. Yeah. So, you walk in, and you have, <laughs> as everybody knows, you have a megawatt smile, and you came Big. in beaming and so happy to be there at like. Yeah, I know. Right. <laughs> um, I know. And you were just so lovely and happy and positive, And that's just who you are. And you and I clicked right away. We did click right away. So, we did. Uh, I think we did mix it up a little bit. I think there was some Britney yeah. Spears news about his, her conservatorship or something. Yes. And we mixed it up and well, I was all free Britney. And you were like, yes, yes me too. <laughs> we
0: we connected over that. But something else that was so interesting is that I was talking about something um, that was happening during the pandemic about how people were going divorces, not for anything crazy like cheating or, or whatever, but it was called The Gray Divorce or something. And you had said your sister-in-law or somebody wrote this book. My that, sister wrote or your sister. Like, yeah. seminal work called
1: Gray Divorce. Yes. Uh, she's a professor at Rutgers and she wrote this phenomenal thing so we just had so this funny. moment where yeah.
0: anyway yeah. I've been doing radio for a
1: long time so mm-hmm. I really appreciate your compliments
0: yeah no it's that. true I was like oh my gosh how do I be like her because I always feel like with Bernie and Sid in particular I always felt like I was jumping on them or stepping on them and it's it's hard with certain people who have such big personalities and most people in radio do because that's why they're on the radio Um. <laughs> but something else my mom was like something about Monica she said Monica you can tell in her voice that she's a kind person, which I thought was very interesting. Aww. Well, because I, I think it's something that you can't really pretend at this point. <laughs> well, do you know what I'm saying? We know a lot of bitches. Yeah, we know Am a lot I of bitches. Right? Yes. I right? No, there's tons, but it's like, it's like you, there's something that you can't, you can't hide. You can tell when someone's a good person. And she said, you know, is, is she that nice? I go, she's literally that nice. So Aww. you're like completely correct. She never says a bad word about anybody. She's literally so nice um, that you know, I just, you're Aww. right, mom. Well, that's very kind yeah. and very sweet. And mm-hmm. My mm-hmm. mother raised my sister and me well.
1: Oh, yeah. Um, so thank you very much. Yeah. Where'd right you grow I grew up in New Jersey. New Jersey, so right okay. across the river in central New Jersey. Okay. Yeah. And then and my mom did, is
0: still there. She's still there. Yeah. I know. You get to see her a lot, too. That's I cool. Know, I know. I so know. Her lucky. birthday's coming up on Sunday. So happy Aww. birthday, mom. Happy birthday, Monica's mom. What's your mom's name? <laughs> Patricia. Okay. Happy birthday, Patricia. Oh, thank <laughs> now, how did you get you, your start into politics? So I, I
1: actually, it's a fantastic story. Yeah. And, and it set me off on this incredible trajectory. And yeah. I've I've had this extraordinary career. And I Thinking about it on my way over here today because yeah. I was thinking oh, Lauren's gonna ask me. Yeah. I was going through I've worked for two American presidents, a secretary of the treasury, I have had an extraordinary media career and written best-selling books. Wow. And have an Ivy League PhD. Yeah. So I'm bragging on myself No, you should. Here, but I was thinking about everything I that I've too. accomplished to this point and it's mm-hmm. so much more that I want to do. Yeah. But I started in politics- What more is there? Sorry.
0: (laughs) Sorry, just saying. Um,
1: I started in politics actually because I was a junior in college at Colgate University, upstate New York. And I was studying poli sci and I was a poli sci major. And all the courses at the time were like studying the presidency and Congress and just sort of routine kinds Mm. of courses, which I loved, but they were routine. Um, And the spring of my junior year- I'm looking at the syllabus to figure out which courses I'm going to take, and I see a new course on the syllabus called National Security, and I said, with a new professor, and I said, I want a piece of that. So We I signed- are
0: very different people. Sorry. <laughs> I'm like, uh, <laughs> sorry. Continue. <laughs> so I
1: signed up for oh, it, and you know what? It turned out where he was a new professor, <laughs> yeah. and he was... The o- pretty much the only conservative professor on the campus. And I was mm. pretty much the only conservative kid on the At campus. At Colgate? Oh, yeah. Colgate. New York, I guess. Yeah. And so he became a mentor to me. I got an A-plus in the class. Loved the material. <laughs> you like, such a dork. <laughs> I know. I'm bragging on myself again. No, you're such a dork. Um, but it's, it's all in service of the story yeah. of how I got to do what I was doing. So... He, I said to him, I, at the end of the semester, I was going home for the summer mm-hmm. to New Jersey to my mom. And I said, I so love this material. He's like, well, obviously, you're really good at it, you, you took to it. Yeah. And I said, I want to build a career out of this. So whether it's the CIA, or the NSA, or the Foreign Service, be an ambassador, wh- what do I need to do to get there? And he went to his bookshelf And he pulled off four books and he handed them to me and he said, go home this summer and read these books. When you come back in the fall, we'll talk about what you learned from them and then how to parlay it into a career. So the first book I chose to read that summer of those he lent to me was a book by President Nixon called "1999 Victor- Victory Without War." Nixon used to write a new foreign policy book every two years as the world was changing okay. and as America was changing. Okay, so at that time it was his latest book. I devoured it,
0: Lauren. Really? I mean
1: I, I know. Once again, we're very different. Yeah, we're very that. different.
0: <laughs> um, I just, I read I, Jessica or Jessica Simpson's memoir the oh, other day, well, but yeah, I yeah I anyway, talk about that too.
1: <laughs> just kidding. Um. But I, I inhaled it, and it wow. had such an impact on my thinking about the world and America's place in it that I sat down and I wrote him a letter. It was a oh. two-page, single-space letter that dealt with the issues he had raised in the book. Oh. And I sort of never, I mean, this is one of the beauties of extreme youth yeah. is that I never stopped to think I was writing to a former president. <laughs> like, like now I'd be like, like, yeah. even like, you know, reaching out mm-hmm. to Trump. I'm like, you need uh, your head a little busy. more. Like, yeah. 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 But I, you know, I wrote this letter because I felt compelled to let that author know regardless mm. of who the author was to let that author know he had educated and inspired me so i mailed off two copies so one to nice. his publisher one to his his uh post office where he yeah. lived do you know he got both letters i forgot about the letter like after like 2 weeks i was like uh, you know i did it more for me i mm. never expected a response yeah um about a month later i'm getting ready to go back to colgate i go to my mother's mailbox and I pull out a handwritten note from Richard Nixon to me. Oh my god. I wow. I have it framed in my apartment. I was going to say yeah. I
0: would too. Yeah. Oh
1: my god. And so, you know, at the end of my letter, I have this like throwaway line like, gee, Mr. President, I know you're really busy, yeah. but I would love the chance one day to come and talk to you in person and pay my respects in person. He writes at the end of his note, he said, please contact my office after Labor Day and we'll set up a a mutually convenient time. Did you? Of course. Yeah. And so like October of my senior year in college, I came back from Colgate to northern New Jersey where President Nixon lived. Yeah. Met with him. He gave me an hour and a half of his time. Are you Wa- kidding? Walked me around the world. Oh my goodness. Talked about American foreign policy in every corner of the globe, what it was, what it should wow. be. American politics, we gossiped a little bit. And then I went back to college. We kept up a correspondence until I graduated the following May, and Monica. that's when he offered me a job.
0: Are you kidding <laughs> me? Yes. This so- I never knew this. This is the literally the oh, best story ever. Best I never story kn- ever. Is this like public? Is this on your Wikipedia? Yes. yes it is I've written about it. And I have see I yes. purposely don't look at Wikipedia anymore because it's fake. Um, I've gotten in trouble yes. for that before because it, whatever. But that's so incredible. I never knew that. Yes. Oh, my gosh. So that little bit
1: of initiative of sitting down and writing a letter. Yeah. To someone I admired someone who had really educated me. Oh, my gosh. I mean, I wasn't born when he was president. And yeah. so it was It was the most extraordinary experience and I've gone on, like I said, to do some pretty extraordinary things and I'm so blessed. But that job, because I was so young, yeah, I spent four years working with him as a foreign policy assistant. But he, he kept a very small staff; there were only four of us. So wow. every day, Lauren, I had hours of conversation with Richard Nixon. That's crazy! <laughs> I really can't. And I mean, so that's
0: crazy. After
1: he passed away, I ended up writing two best-selling books about my experiences with him. He would be
0: so proud. That <laughs> well, really you know, is. He
1: I, every time he would call me in to talk, I'd go in with a yellow legal pad. Yeah. And I would take notes. Now, if he had not wanted me to take notes. Right. He would have stopped me.
0: Okay. He was not
1: shy. He was the former w- president. Yeah, right. So I was taking notes. He knew I was taking notes. I mean, we didn't talk about it, but it was obvious. Right, right. And so every night, I would go home and transcribe by hand into a journal. Yeah reconstruct every conversation i ever had with richard nixon every night no was matter that helpful? how tired was that helpful to yes because yeah. i didn't want to forget a minute of it because i knew yeah. it was going to be the most extraordinary experience of my life so i no matter how tired i was yeah. i'd i'd rewrite Every single conversation. So when he passed away, yeah. I had lunch with Bill Sapphire, who was one of his speech writers in the White House, who at the time was he's passed away now, but he was writing for the New York Times. He had a a, a weekly column. And he said to me, So, kid, what are you gonna do now? And I said, Well, I don't know. My mentor has just passed away and my my dear friend, President Nixon. And I sort of off the cuff said to him, um, I, you know, I have journals full of uh, four years of conversations of Richard Nixon. I remember he was eating soup, and he put his spoon down, and he looked at me he goes, what? And I said, yeah. And he goes, well, I know what you're going to do next. You're yep. going to write a book. Mm-hmm. And he said, President Nixon knew you were inscribing all of this. And he, th- you were his conduit to speak to future generations. I'm actually
0: going to cry. I know. This is like, I don't even, I, I feel like I'm getting my period or something. What's <laughs> happening? I feel like <laughs> that. Are you kidding? That's no. literally the most no. moving thing ever. Yeah. Our, oh my gosh. Yeah. That's so, so, so amazing. So I
1: ended up writing, <sighs> it, it was so much material. And you know, Sapphire said to me, you owe it to future generations to let them know the Richard Nixon you came to know. Yeah, yeah. Because he wasn't a one-dimensional caricature mm-hmm. or an evil villain, h- how the media has made him out to be. And well, historians that's are not so not just unfair. him. It's all
0: Republicans. and I mean, to be honest, at it, this it point, is, yeah. It is. So. But
1: Nixon is the boogeyman yeah. until Donald Trump came along right, and, and they now found a new boogeyman, which is worse <laughs> yes, than Richard Nixon. Yes. Um. So I— Mm-hmm. It was an extraordinary oh, four years with him. But what I like to say is that you know, and then I joined the Trump administration yes. and had two years at Treasury, um, and so I like to joke that I've worked for two American presidents, Richard Nixon and Donald Trump. <laughs> only the most controversial presidents yes. for Monica. Yes, no boring presidents for mm. Monica. Yep, no Grover Cleveland's
0: or William Howard Taft's. No, no, only no, no, no. the most controversial. No, I I really love that, and I feel like you have so many. Stories um, that must be so juicy, but I, I know you probably can't tell us all of them. <laughs> but I feel like, can you tell us one scandal that you've dealt with, just one in, in either administration? I feel like that. I mean, I don't know what can. Can well, can't you say it can be well, about a sandwich for all I, I mean, care? I, look, I,
1: just, I, I was at the Treasury Department, and yeah. Secretary Mnuchin was an extraordinary Treasury Secretary. So mm-hmm. we had no scandals when I was there, right? Um, you know, pr- sort of. Treasury is right next door to the White House, so I was at the White House a couple of times every week. Okay. Um you know, in the oval and and moving through the White House. So that that was a whole experience. What's fascinating is that every president has a different style. Yeah. Right. So in in a lot of ways Donald Trump was similar to the way Bill Clinton ran his White House, which was sort of like almost like um Party is the wrong word. It, yeah. it was a very social kind of environment. Interesting. So Bill Clinton and Donald Trump are social animals. So they constantly had like a revolving door of people coming in and out of the oval. Yeah. Um, and sometimes people had appointments. Sometimes they didn't. They would just say, got to run this past the president. And... Trump would say, hey, come on. in." Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, versus a president like George H.W. Bush mm-hmm. or Barack Obama, where it's a lot more disciplined in a way. Structured. Um, Richard mm-hmm. Nixon was um, very much um, an introvert. He used to say I'm an introvert in an extrovert's profession. Mm-hmm. So while he was very good at retail politics, he found people draining, whereas someone like Donald Trump or Bill Clinton find people energizing. So they need a lot of them around. Yeah. So it it was a very interesting thing to see a difference in style and how he handled the yeah, thing,
0: I never, saying. I actually never would have thought to compare Bill Clinton um, and Donald Trump, but that's, that's a really interesting Styles. point. Yeah, no, Styles. I really, honestly, nobody knows that. Nobody would ever know that unless they were actually there like you. And now, and um, now they know because you're listening to your podcast. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so they are learning um, along with me. No, I think I was just looking for something like, I don't know, like, did you ever see Nixon get really mad about anything or just anything that you were like, whoa, that's kind of crazy. Like, yeah. Uh, Yes. Yes. What, he se- what sets them off, though? Like, I want to know, they have so much stress that what would actually make them snap?
1: So remember, by the time I got to President Nixon, he was long out of the presidency. Right, so right. The, the acute stress of being president um, mm-hmm. was gone, obviously. Sure. He was a former president, but he was really intent on rehabilitating himself mm-hmm. and the work that he had done as president. So he spent the 20 years since his resignation to his death, Doing a lot of things for the country, a lot of things that people don't know about, writing books, advising yeah. every successor, um, wow. except for Jimmy Carter, every <laughs> successor to Richard Nixon called on him for advice. Wow. So starting with Ronald Reagan. That's amazing. Uh, Jerry, Jerry Ford, actually, but then Ronald Reagan, and yeah. then every president after that, including Bill Clinton,
0: Right, which is right.
1: fascinating. Um, yeah. yeah, I did see him get angry. Um I never witnessed Trump's anger, although I hear that he has quite a temper. But
0: I—that's I, <laughs> cool. I never though. Experienced that's that. actually cool that you never had to witness it or experience no, it. No, yeah, that's no, good. I didn't. Mm-hmm. I mean,
1: uh, obviously, every president is in a crucible of extreme stress, so yeah. obviously they all get angry. Um, yeah, I did see President Nixon a couple of times, and most of the time it was he had asked for something to be done and it wasn't done. Right. Not by me. I did yeah. everything right. Yeah.
0: Wait, I was about to say, who no, wouldn't get something I, I, done for like a president or former president right. anyway? Or if it's I, not done. Or, so yeah.
1: I'll tell you what, I do remember one time President Nixon asked me to do something. And I did it, but it wasn't quite right. And I, I, I forget what it was. Yeah, yeah. Um, But I remember he handled me very, and I learned a lot from his management style about how he handled my mistake. So I remember him saying... He was very gentle, and he was like, so, Monica, thank you. (laughs) I mean, he was holding my screw up, whatever it was on the page. And he was like... Monica, thank you. And he said, um, I appreciate this. He said, I did ask for it to be done the other way. So in the future, could you do it the other way? You w- wanted to and, die, and I'm sure. He <laughs> was very gentle and yeah. sweet about it. But of course, I was mortified that yeah. I screwed it up, right? Um, and I was like, oh, Mr. President, I'm so sorry. He's like, no, no, don't worry. Don't. It's fine. It's fine. Just yeah. in the future, could you please do it this way? Yeah. And I thought, you know what? And I've taken that with me throughout my whole career. So Mm -hmm. every time I have led a team and been a boss, like I was at Treasury, I led led a team of about 12 people at Treasury, I took that really to heart. Mm -hmm. So if someone on my team screwed something up, obviously, I would have to say, you know, this is not what I asked for. But then I would say, listen, in the future, if you have any questions about what I've asked, please come to me and please do it this way. So, I mean, it really was an extraordinary Experience. Yeah. That's just one small example of, but uh, anger. Yeah, mostly with the press. The press, yes. which is probably not surprising. No, and, not at all. Donald Trump to any. Republican but this is this is
0: fascinating to me because I'm I'm always wondering what makes these these guys snap and what really gets to them. And I can imagine that, um, you know, doing something incorrectly. Or I'm drawing a blank right now on the word I'm looking for. Um, I don't know. Screw up? Well, it's screw up, but it's just like, it's like I hired you for a reason, guys, right? Like don't, I mean, I don't know. One screw up is not a big deal, but if it happens a lot, I assume you're out after two screw ups with the presidency, well, it, correct? It, or it
1: depends. Yeah. I mean, if it's something really um, almost fatal to a presidency or someone is caught leaking. Yeah. And, and that sort of thing. On the other hand, you know, the Trump White House had a lot of leakers, and Trump right. kept a lot of people around. So yeah. n- he, even when it was brought to his attention, so a lot of presidents will make a cost benefit analysis, okay. like, I know that person is leaking, but they're really good at issue X. So I will keep That's really them. smart. Yeah, I I'll keep them here but I'll keep them at arm's length. Yeah. I won't they won't be privy to everything but I do need them on issue or Or sometimes it's just an emotional thing like, oh, this person helped me get elected. So even though I know that they're leaking or not so great at what I brought them in the White House to do, I'm
0: going to keep them around. I mean, I think the first part is more acceptable than the latter, to be honest. I think the latter like that would be extremely tough. But the first part I think is important, right? Like they did something wrong but they do more good than harm. So keep them, but keep them at bay. Right? I think
1: there's a difference between screwing something up as an honest mistake. Right. And deliberately trying to undermine the president. Yes. Like deep state, permanent bureaucracy, totally. kind of all the activity we saw to undermine Donald Trump. Yeah. Richard Nixon, Ronald Reagan, they all had the same enemies. And so they were all right. being undermined all the time. Um, If you can identify someone who's doing that, Mm -hmm. they should go. And I think, look, if Trump runs again, and if he wins again, I think his second term, he will be a lot smarter about this. Yes. Because, and it wasn't his fault. He just didn't know, right? I mean, he had never done any of this before. Mm -hmm. So when he got into the White House, he had to fill like 30,000 positions in the federal government, Mm -hmm. literally that many. Right.
0: I, so I mean I didn't know that. But someone yeah. would say,
1: like, oh, so and so wants to be assistant secretary of whatever, and mm-hmm. he'd be like, Fine, just get it off my desk. <laughs> like I have more important stuff. Yeah, to... yeah. And yeah. so the whole government was like infiltrated yes. with people who were not MAGA, who were not right. um, supportive of him, and they really worked internally to help cut down his presidency. So I think mm. if he did it again, he'd be a lot wiser. Yeah. Because he's done it before. So what do you think about
0: um Mark Milley.
1: Oh, I think he absolutely needs to resign. I think he's a complete disgrace. Yeah. Okay. So that, so you think he is treasonous? Yes. I think his behavior. Okay. Remember, there were two phone calls to his counterpart in China. Yeah. To the CCP. One was like October 30th before the election. Okay. What was he talking about with the Chinese before the election? And then the Ugh, second phone call like, was like January 8th chills. after the January 6th ride right, right. at the Capitol, right? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Why are you tipping off our major adversary? I know. I know. It's, It's. yeah, it is. And also,
1: the it, idea that Donald Trump was going to wage war. No, Donald Trump was the anti-war president. Mm-hmm. Donald Trump was the guy who was bringing the troops home from these pockets around the world right. and ending the forever wars. So it literally made no sense that Donald Trump was going to attack China.
0: It's absurd yeah. on its face. I, I tend to agree with you on that, and I think it's, it's funny now. I feel like if there was an election tomorrow, he probably would win. He would Trump, win. He would win. Yeah. I think everybody right now is like, oh my gosh, what's happening? Even, I mean, I, so I subscribe to all these different news alerts. I get, I do not discriminate. I get CNN. I get Fox. I get everything. And even the headlines on CNN now are very, very, uh, I don't want to say they're skewed right, but they are. They are not pro Biden. I will say that they are definitely more pro like stupid shit like Corey Bush and like you know whatever defund the police. But they're not really pro Biden. You can't at this point. You yeah. cannot defend what he's doing.
1: Yeah, so, and, and they tried for a while. But for a the, while, the but, one thing that sort of tipped them in mm. that direction is Afghanistan, because yes. a lot of them. Have been covering Afghanistan for twenty years, and mm-hmm. a lot of these reporters went to Afghanistan, yeah. and became friendly with a lot of the Afghan translators who, we, you know, we had hired it's heartbreaking, to us. yeah. And so they just they couldn't defend it because. Mm-hmm. They were so deeply invested right. in the war and what we were doing for the last two decades. Yeah, and then of course this massive spending. Look, be under no illusions. I dealt with the press every day in the Trump administration. They are, I would say, 99% of them are opposed to at least what I stand for. Right, mm-hmm. conservative principles, limited government, lower taxes, fiscal responsibility, strong national defense, all things that sound
0: sound really positive. Right,
1: strong American leadership. Yeah. yeah. Um, they 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 are they're Democrats right. and a lot of them are even worse than that. They're like definitely on the left, mm-hmm. so and they're they're leftist activists. Okay, so um, they they're not. Believe me, they're not on Trump's side. They're not on Republican side. But even they could not ignore what right. was happening in Afghanistan. Yes, and even now with this hot mess over the, all of the multi-trillion-dollar spending bills, they don't. Y- yeah, you know they they would. Lo- Trust me, they would love to see another $7 trillion spent yeah. on massive social programs and new entitlements. Yeah. So they would love to see it. So the reason they're critical on mm-hmm. that is because Biden is screwing it up. Right. Not because they're opposed to Yes. A huge problematic
0: policy. Yes. Now, what do you think right now about, Um, I know you're not, see, this is, this is confusing. I was going to ask you. So you, you live in DC, right? When you were um, working under Trump, right? You had to live there yeah. or did you commute back and forth or well, how did that? So
1: I kept my New York city apartment okay, and uh, which I own yes. and I rent an apartment in, in DC. So okay. I had to be in Washington during the week, Monday okay. through Friday. Um, but Washington is such a swamp horrible play. I mean, yeah, look, maybe I'm not being fair to the city because I was working around the clock when I was there. And Mm -hmm. then on the weekends I'd come back to New York. Yeah. So I didn't, really like, I, I didn't have a lot of time to enjoy the city. Right. But I have to say from the time I was a little kid, we're going on my first school trip yeah, to like to the, the White Lincoln House Memorial <laughs> and stuff and Capitol Hill with your eyes are biggest saucers. Ooh, totally. Government. Totally. Um, I've never felt comfortable there. So, really? Yeah, I've never I've never liked it. Wow. So I love the job but yeah. I hated the city. Yeah. So on the weekends, I'd come back to New York. So I'd go back and forth, which was okay. totally exhausting.
0: That but is exhausting. But I that's, had to get out. That's For so my mental funny. health, I had to get out of D.C. Yeah. Well, so I was going to ask you, since you are a New Yorker, what what are your thoughts about um, Governor Hochul right now?
1: I think she's a huge disappointment. Disappointment? Yeah. She had a really great opportunity yeah. to... Change the entire gears of government mm-hmm. in New York State, yeah. which is corrupt and it's dirty mm. and it's just. It's so corrupt, right? I, the democratic machine has taken the empire state and driven it into the ground <laughs> like the Democrats have done with California as well. The Golden State is uh, uh, just a, a garbage place now. Mm. And New York has gone down this road as well. So she really had a great opportunity yeah. with a fresh start. She wasn't elected, but she could could have said to New Yorkers, I'm, I, you know, I was elected a lieutenant governor, not as governor, but now now I find myself in this position, and I take this responsibility very seriously. Yeah, and I'm going to clean up Albany, and I am going to make the state more business friendly, Mm -hmm. and I am going lower taxes and everything, and really focus on public safety. Mm. Those are the two pillars to succeed. And instead, she is just. I mean with the covid restrictions and firing doctors and nurses I and know. teachers and
0: it's crazy I mean it is madness it is madness and one thing that I I said the other week that really affected me was all of a sudden my Two year old had to wear a mask at school. Now he's almost three, but he's still, to me, he's still a baby, right? I mean, you look at these kids and you don't even realize how little two and three year olds are. I mean, you saw the viral video, but that literally was me with my kid. And it really makes me sad because I'm like, are you kidding? His school sent an email. They're like, sorry, guys, new rules. We just don't want to get shut down if, like, we get, you know, investigated, whatever. So the poor kid has to wear a mask all day. And the best part is, like, Hokel, do you know what two year olds do? They lick their hands. They they mess with it. The whole point is, like, they're going to get sicker with these on. I'm just saying. Like, it's stupid. And then I personally was – horrified when she let all of the inmates out with the less is more act. I mean, these people need to be in prison to get their meds to stay in prison and not harm people when they're off their meds. How is it that? I don't know. I'm sure there's more to it and I'm just missing it. But I'm like, how is it that I just somebody on the street can see that, but somebody in the government doesn't see that? Well, yeah,
1: they do see it. They just don't care. So this gets to a bigger point which I want to make. Yes. But first on the masks, what your child is experiencing is child abuse. Yeah. It's annoying. It's state sanctioned Mm -hmm. child abuse Mm -hmm. straight up. Yeah.
0: I I agree with that only because I, for me, it hurts my ears. It, It bends on my ears all the time. I'm just, you know, I decided I was done with the mask after I got the vaccine. I felt very good about that. I was like, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. And, um, the fact that, like, they're holding it over the kids' heads because they can't, you know, I'm kind of like, what? I mean, especially two year olds, two year olds, I mean, yes, two year olds. Like, wh- I don't know, I don't know, it's just, it's, it's really sad. It's really it is, sad.
1: It's all about power and control. Yeah. And this gets to my bigger point here about none of these people that they're all, whether it's Biden or Hochul or Gavin Newsom in California, mm-hmm. they are. Incredibly misguided, but they're not stupid. So they know exactly <laughs> yeah. what they're doing, and it's all in service of a much bigger and darker goal, which is the, what Obama called the fundamental transformation of the nation. Okay. So they're using this. Saul Alinsky once said, never let a crisis go to waste. Yeah. So they were never going to allow the coronavirus crisis to go to waste, and they used it as a giant lever Gave to try chills. to reconstruct America. Ugh. Tear down all of our foundational principles, individual liberty, capitalism, Mm. fiscal responsibility. They were using all of this, they still are, to blow it all up as an excuse to gain ever more power and control over your life.
0: I agree with you. I told and I so I never thought of myself as much of a political person because I always just focus on entertainment. But I think with the pandemic, it's made me realize that maybe I am more political than I think because I have a lot more views. And I think for people that are like me or were like me, I think if you start to um understand your local government first and how that directly affects you in different ways, more so than your national government, let's say. And that was my whole thing. I was like, well, I don't care who the president is because it's never actually affected me. Well, now with the tax plan, I'm like, okay, that's really going to affect us. And now let's say locally with the masks on my 2-year-old that's going to affect us and letting crazy yes. people out that's going to affect me. So I think if you if you stand back and you look at it like that, you you might care a little more. I mean, I'm lecturing people just because I went through this already so I'm like you should care because I didn't care and now I do and, care. Uh, and yeah, because <laughs> yeah. you will be
1: made to care. Yes, you at are. At some point you will be made to care whether you yes. have children or you don't have children or whatever the case. It doesn't Maybe matter about kids. It it's just come in general. It your home. Yes. And so you're absolutely right about Mm -hmm. getting involved at the local level. I want to encourage everybody to please think about that. It's a lot easier than at the national level to make your voice heard. We're seeing this across the country with school boards. Oh, yeah. So if you have a little extra time where you really care about the kind of education that your kids are getting in public schools... Go to your school board. Run for your school board. Yeah. Okay. SNL made f- you know made fun of it on yeah. Saturday night about school board meetings. Now. Yeah. 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 But critical race theory, <laughs> um, the mask mandates for mm-hmm. kids. If you go to a school board meeting and let your voice be heard, stand up and just express yourself. Yeah. And then we're getting a lot of people who are just outraged by what's going on to run for the school board. Right. And if you're on the school board. You have enormous power.
0: You don't even yeah, know. No, uh, seriously. And there's it's you know who I love to follow um about all of this stuff, too, is Joe Borelli. Do you follow him? Yes. That, he's so yes. funny. Yeah. And like my dad even follows him and he's not even a New Yorker because he's so involved with like a city council on this, uh, everything that's going on with the school and the yes. mask mandates. And he posted a video. Did you see the video he posted today of the guy at the meeting who he's literally off stage and he goes, this is the guy that's um making your kids wear masks. He has no mask on in the corner he goes he puts his mask on walks to the podium and then takes it off and it's so like what's I, the point i retweeted that you today. did oh that's so funny <laughs> um with a note that said yeah. they're all frauds wait that's so funny that you did oh my gosh that's so funny oh wow okay by the way can i plug my social media yes pl- of okay. course yes so on twitter
1: at monica crowley yes and on instagram at monica crowley
0: underscore yes okay at monica crowley twitter and then at monica instagram crowley. which is down right now um but should be back up it's packed apparently, because of the 60 minutes last night um, that went Insane. on. Yeah, crazy. Um, Monica Crowley underscore, right. right? Instagram, yes. Okay. Now, Monica, thank you for joining us. Is there anything else that you want to say or you want people to know about you? Oh, that's well, that's a wide open it's question. It's wide open. I leave it wide open for you just
1: so I didn't miss anything, you know? Yeah, you know, I don't know. I think um, a lot of people have asked me, even recently, like, mm-hmm. you know, you've had this career What's been the one thing that's really driven you? Yeah, and you know, some people are driven by money, and some people are driven by fame, and mm-hmm. I, I would say that the one thing that has really driven me and continues to is the love of America, the love of my yeah. country. And I know that sounds sort of sappy, no. but literally every job that I have had has been in service of this country, and yeah. I mean, I've, I don't get me wrong. You know, I've, I've done really well. I've been incredibly blessed. But the, the fundamental, like motivating force in me yeah. is America. Oh. Because this country has been so good to my family over many generations and so yeah. good to me, that I have wanted to give back and make sure that that America as we know, it doesn't slip underneath the waves. You know, that's
0: really powerful, but it also makes me sad only because I feel like it kind of is with every, you know, with just everything the last two years. So, um that's no, that's incredibly powerful. And hopefully we can sort of get back on track um, as a God, country with God, all things are possible, yes, so agreed, uh, mm-hmm. yes.
1: so I think, you know, this country should try to get back to God, yes, and also our side. My side, Mm -hmm. don't want to put you in mine. Yeah, it's okay. It's okay. Yeah, Um, but we have to understand that we are in a war, Mm. and I don't want to end on a down note. But this is a war for the country, Mm -hmm. and a lot of Republicans have just sort of gone along to get along, thinking today's Democratic Party is the party of FDR, JFK, or Bill Clinton. It is not. This Democratic Party is a party made up of revolutionaries, Mm. socialist revolution revolutionaries like AOC and Bill de Blasio, they look to completely destroy what made this country great and Mm -hmm. rebuild the country in a collectivist, socialist model. the rich, Monica. And they are at war (laughs) war 24-7. And we need to understand that so we can fight back. This is not, you know, this isn't like dealing with LBJ or JFK. This is a completely different ball of wax and we better wake up to it. But, you guys uh,
0: hear that? Wake up. Wake I like up that. Wake up.
1: Before it is too late. Because okay. Because there will be a moment where we tip and then it, your freedoms
0: will be gone. That makes me nervous. Let's um, end on let's end, We'll end on an update. What are note? you watching on Netflix? Uh, <laughs> I was going to say, I actually started Squid Games last <gasps> night. Did you watch it? No. But okay. I read about it. Yeah. And I didn't ask for this. I don't know. My sister told me to watch it. Disturbing, I'm, right? Yeah. I'm kind of horrified, but I can't look away. So, I mean, okay. I also'm a little annoyed about the the dub voice that, like you know they they're it's in um a different language it's and they It's in Korean. It, is, but it's like they dub it with English and they can't just put subtitles. I'd rather read subtitles. No, this I think awful. you can. I tried. I, I, I'm too dumb to figure it out on Netflix. <laughs> I literally am like, me and my husband are both stupid. We're like, how do we get the subtitles on? We couldn't figure it out. So we're like, well, because okay. you know, it's like, it makes it so much worse. But anyway, watch the first episode. Just finish that one and then you will see how messed it's up it really, is. It's really,
1: really disturbing.
0: It I'm is. watching yep. The
1: Morning Show. I love that which show. I love. Yes, I love that show. And uh, I'm watching Ted Lasso, okay. which I also love. So
0: I, am, I watch both first seasons of that, but I I I haven't started season 2. So Okay, it's yeah.
1: it's so good. It's so sweet. Okay. And the other show I'm watching is Sex Education and we'll just leave it there. Wait, what channel is that? Netflix. What?
0: What? Wait, Sex Education or know? Sex Life?
1: Sex Education.
0: Okay, I don't know that. With
1: Gillian Anderson? Brit- oh. British series? Jillian the lesbian?
0: J- no. Ne- Gillian Anderson. Oh, oh, okay, okay. I'm thinking um <laughs> Jillian Michael, sorry. Jillian <laughs> Anderson Jillian is Anderson the. Anderson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you played Margaret
1: Thatcher, and she was also on The Crown, and yes. she's also in. the She X-Files. just won
0: the the Emmy for The yeah. Crown. Okay, yeah. all right, so done. Sex Education is done. very sweet. Okay, and cute. Okay, I can't wait. Yeah, I'm gonna start you'll it. Like it. All right. Well, Monica Crowley, thank you so much for joining oh. us. This has been an absolute pleasure. My pleasure, as always, Lauren. Mwah. Mwah. Thank you for having me. It's easy to lose sleep.